So you've decided to give up that old behavior that's been killing you and all you care for and surrender to a power greater than yourself. That's the first step. Surrender is what opens the prison door. Now it's time to walk through that door and into a whole new way of life. Spirituality, self-care, service, social connection, and the simple daily disciplines that pave the way to lasting freedom. This is Positive Sobriety. another episode of the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Oh, I'm Nate Larkin here with my good friend, co-host David Hampton on a sunny summer day in Franklin, Tennessee. How you doing, David? I am doing well. Um, thank you. Feeling a little better all the time. <laughs> so. Yeah, you're, you're, you're looking better, dude. Uh, well, thank it, you. It doesn't it's, look like uh, you're pushing a rock uphill right now. Huh? <laughs> well, it feels it doesn't feel that way anymore either. It's uh, like I've told you before. My my doctor attributes it to oxygen and uh, <laughs> being able to breathe and uh, take in air. I had to have a little minor tweak um, about a week ago. Uh, they had to do a cardio version, which is you know they they basically put you under and and put the paddles to your chest and restart your heart. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, apart from that, there was a little flutter still left over that they didn't like, but once that happened, um, I wore the heart monitor for another week or so, and there's no evidence of that. And I'm in good rhythm. And so I'm feeling well, I'm, I'm breathing well, I'm starting to exercise a little bit again and getting back into all that. And I've started, um, uh, a, again, a very, uh, Uh, intentional plan with my relationship to what I'm eating and why I'm eating. And um, I don't know, I I guess I can say the Noom uh, app. um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish they would sponsor the the podcast. (laughs) Maybe I'll do this and they'll they'll hear it and they'll want to sponsor us. But, um, you know, it's, it's really, I was skeptical. Because I thought, nah, uh-huh. you know, I work in behavioral health. I know these things. I work with people all the time. I tell people how to do, not do, and all this stuff. But there is something really, uh, as an individual, when you really uh, go inward and examine your relationship to something, and Noom um, approaches this from a more behavioral standpoint. It's not sure, just, right. you know, eat your points and your categories and whatever. I mean, there's an element of obviously having to be intentional about what you're doing. But, but the cool thing is that, uh, it reminds you that you, these impulses are coming from somewhere and you have yeah. to start learning to address them and spot them and say yes to, uh, what you want and not just know to the food you think you're giving up. And, yeah. um, and it's been really interesting because when you start, and I've had people do this with drinking, you know, I I've had clients that say, I don't drink that much. And I say, well, why don't you just, you know, jot down when you drink, what you're feeling and, 
um, and when it was. And then, yeah. you know, of course, they're taking a nip of vodka all day long through the desk drawer or the closet or the pantry <laughs> or wherever they are. Um, but the, I said, just record a nip. You know, a nip yeah. counts, just record a nip. And when they do, and they've got 25 nips, you know, in yeah. a period of time, and they go, wow, that explains why I'm always drunk when my husband gets home, or that explains <laughs> yeah. why I really shouldn't drive home from work, or, you know. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Well, I, I'm doing that with food. And what it, what it really has shown me is how much I just grabbed, you know, yeah. like, um, well, that's not that much. It's a snack sized candy bar, you know, out of the yeah. candy bowl at work. That's not that much, yeah. but I may grab that four times before lunch, you know, yeah, right. and it's not just, it's not that much. It's just a donut or it's not that much. It's just by, you know, but when you really look at the end of the day, yeah, how impulse driven your behavior is, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's been remarkable. So I'm, um, about, 12 pounds down from my surgery weight, uh, which wow. I won't tell you what that was, <laughs> uh, but you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a good trajectory. I'm feeling well. Thank you for asking. I've had, I think my, hopefully my final tweak. Um, yeah. and you know, it just is another thing about, uh, recovery isn't just what we don't do with relationship to a behavior or a substance. It's really, uh, what we're saying yes to you know, for the, yeah, for yeah. the life that we want. And I know you're experiencing good changes and continuing to do that. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm a huge fan of Noom. I start, uh, I did Noom for six months, mm-hmm. uh, a year and a half ago. Yeah. Uh, lost 30 pounds and have kept it off. Yeah. Uh, just because Noom helped me, just as you said, that simple tracking thing. Plus, it was a daily lesson. It was yeah. giving me some new information. Yeah. Uh, there was also the coaching. I didn't really take much uh, advantage of the of the mm-hmm. coaching. Did, did you? Did you? Uh, did you actually subscribe, or are you just using the app? I am just using the, the app, although it does come with a personal, um, you know, person that checks in on you and things. Yeah, 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 right. One yeah, thing yeah, they've yeah. been good about is, you know, like meal prep. I needed some tips and I said, you know, yeah. it'd be great if you guys had a grocery list because I don't even know what to buy, which is an yeah. embarrassing thing to admit. But uh, because, you know, when I, you're cooking for one or two people, you're not going to, yeah. you know, I don't need yeah, meal prep for, you know. Uh, family. Right. And so they were very good about providing that. So, Well, um, one of the things that, that Noom got me doing, got me thinking, kind of got the ball rolling with me about alcohol. It, mm-hmm. it, it raised another red flag about alcohol yep. uh, because um, alcohol does contain calories. <laughs> Oddly <laughs> enough, all that yeah. sugar. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, uh, and, when I'm, and when I'm paying attention to uh to to calories and i'm recording everything i'm putting in my mouth throughout the day uh when i'm wanting to kind of cut that calorie number but i'm unwilling to pass up the alcohol that's kind of a message that's kind of a red flag mm-hmm. what i'd what i'd rather cut out food than drink yeah how, how little can i eat and live and still get to drink that might be that's right <laughs> A sign you're heading toward the slope a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. I will tell you this, since finally just reevaluating my whole relationship with alcohol and say, well, hell, you know, maybe, uh, maybe, 
maybe I have developed an alcohol addiction and maybe life would be better if I didn't drink. So I'm on what? I'm on day 40 right yeah. now? No yeah. alcohol? Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I was told would improve was uh, my sleep. And of course, if my sleep would improve, then, you know, brain function would improve. A lot of things would improve uh, yeah. because, uh, you know, our body goes through, you know, all the janitorial work in our body gets done while we're sleeping. Most right. of it, right? It's clean up and all that kind of stuff. And what I was told was that healthy sleep, a healthy night's sleep should have uh, a minimum of six sleep cycles where I'm cycling between deep sleep and REM sleep. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I have been using a sleep tracker now for a couple of years. And uh, certainly while I was drinking, I would go, if I checked my tracker on the typical night, I would have one to two cycles of sleep, a mm. big block of deep sleep, and then a lot of light sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got to tell you, man, it is, I can see it now on screen when I check my tracker in the morning. Mm -hmm. David, yeah. last night I got, I got eight and a half hours of sleep. I got 13 cycles wow. of sleep last night. Wow. Uh, and woke up so refreshed. It's not just not being hung over. Right. It, right. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's been yeah. a whole, yeah, a whole lot clearer. So uh, another bonus to not drinking alcohol. I don't know why I was so slow to identify alcohol as a problem and, uh, you know, entertain the idea that my life would actually be better without it, that maybe mm -hmm. it wasn't the big reward and maybe it wasn't bringing the benefits I thought it was bringing. I actually thought alcohol was helping me sleep. Well, yeah, I hear, I hear that every day. You know, I just yeah. have a couple of glasses of wine at night to help me sleep. And I have to always yeah. go back to the whole, you're not really sleeping. <laughs> you're, yeah. you know, um, and falling asleep is, uh, it, you know, passing out and falling asleep <laughs> are not the same thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Um, getting drunk on the couch is not the same thing as falling asleep. But um, yeah, it's, you're not sleeping in those cycles and you're not getting good deep REM sleep. And so, right. you know, it's restorative. And, um, so yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm thrilled for you and I'm thrilled for your clarity and all of that. Cause you know, we've all romanticized our relationship with alcohol. I think that's why it's so sure. hard to give it up beyond the physical yeah. part of it. You know, yeah. we just have this romantic, uh, cultural relationship with it. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. so that's, I, I mean, Congratulations. 40 days. Yeah. Feels good. Um, really, really, really does. And it, and it informs so much about it, it. I'll tell you what I walking this path with alcohol, having started this path 22 years ago mm -hmm. with, you know, with compulsive sexual behavior. Mm hmm. As for me, seeing the seeing the parallels between the process addiction and the substance addiction, and mm -hmm. there are definitely parallels. Right. Uh, but there are also differences. Maybe sometime we ought to devote an episode to maybe the, the, the you know, the contrasts between a right. process addiction and a substance addiction. That might yeah. make a good show one day. Yeah, I think we can find somebody to speak to that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we, oh, we got a, we've got a good guest today. We We're do. Gonna, uh, 
that one specifically targeted toward the younger members of our audience or those who love younger folks and are concerned about uh, uh, their behavior and perhaps their relationship with an addictive substance or activity. You're going to want to listen to this. It's going to be helpful, informative, and inspiring when we come back on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Well, David, you have uh, once again uh, gone far and wide to corral for us another great guest. Uh, this guy's coming to us from, I think, the mountain states. He's someplace out west. Well, why, don't you, why don't you introduce our, our guest to us? Yeah, this is Rob Sheeran. And Rob is coming to us from, um, actually, he's in Avon, Colorado today, but he is uh, located in Boulder. And Rob oh, works. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the great recovery city of Boulder. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, he is coming in. Uh, Rob is a colleague or uh, at least a friend of uh, another guest from our show from a few months back. Um, Dr. Steve Pulley and Steve oh, is a Steve. you know yep. the physical therapist slash uh, recovery coach and has uh, a lot of experience with uh, Rob and working with college people in recovery and uh, with an organization called Reconnected, but it's spelled capital R E capital C Connect and then capital E D like education. And so, uh, Rob, uh, welcome to the show, and we want to uh, just tell you you know how happy we are for you to make some time for us today cool thanks so much for having me i'm stoked uh steve he's an awesome friend of mine and yeah uh, i'm glad he connected us yeah i am too absolutely you're not suggesting rob are you that uh people at the tender age of you know early late teens early 20s college age uh individuals would uh, have any need for recovery uh, there's, there's no kind of, no kind of addiction or addictive behavior on college campuses. I know, I know. That's what they're telling me. They're saying too young to have a problem. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. I'm just having fun. I'm here to sow some wild oats. Yeah. It's not a problem. This yeah. is what you do. Yeah. This is what you do in college. <laughs> what do you yeah. mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's a problem. Yeah. This is yeah. what was advertised. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, Rob, how did you um, get into this recovery work? Because most of us that are working in this area, um, you know, don't just wake up one day and decide that'd be a great way to make a living. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> do you have a recovery story of your own that you can kind of share with us how you landed in this kind of work? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, through my, through my own personal experience, um, dealing with, uh, having to find recovery, um, primarily from substance use disorder is, is what led me, uh, to, to now where I'm at, um, pursuing a career in the recovery field. And, uh, what that looked like was, um, I was a student at university of Colorado in Boulder, um, back in, I mean, I had a long go at it, seven long years in college, and not like my friend Steve, I wasn't a doctor. Uh, I was just <laughs> trying to get out and get my undergrad. And um, like through having just different pro- like 
there was a lot of underage drinking tickets that I received and very similar to a lot of my friends. I could easily point fingers to some of my closest friends and say like my resume, my drinking resume and partying resume looks very similar to theirs. Like, and they're doing just fine. And like, so, so yeah, that, that college kids don't have a problem was something that really rang true for me. Um, and then slowly my friends started to actually graduate college. Um, uh-huh. and I, I would hang on for a semester and then like have to take a break or fail out and have to go to community college and try to get back in to see you. And, um, and there was like, that was a journey in itself. But once, you know, I started to look around and really see that, well, most of my friends were kind of getting on with their lives, like, and I couldn't quite just get a hold of this whole college thing. Um, you know, I realized like maybe I do have a problem and, um, it wasn't as beautiful and like, <laughs> there was pretty ugly, uh, the way it looked, but a big thing was just like, I, um, I just was never taken seriously by a lot of my friends. Um, and I always wanted to be taken seriously, um, or like be someone they could rely on or, um, be someone they called, uh, for like something other than just like drugs or like when they wanted (laughs) Mm -hmm. to party, you know? Um, and my nickname, yeah, sure. was like crazy Rob. And so I, some of me like really was proud of that uh, part of Mm -hmm. me. And then like this other part of me was like, you know, when I would go to my family reunion and my like aunts and uncles and like everyone would just ask like, how, how's school going? And I wouldn't see them that often. I'd see them every two years and I would say, I'm still, I'm still trying to get out, you know? And um, (laughs) so once I, once I finally, like made the decision, uh, like I need to, to, to make a change. Um, I was lucky enough to like just kind of cold Turkey, all the drugs and alcohol. And I made it four days with like through the withdrawals. And at that yeah. time I didn't really understand withdrawals. I just thought, why do my feeling so shitty? Why can't I sleep? And yeah, I went to the on-campus nurse and she, I needed a note. Cause I missed uh, one of my classes, uh, one of my speeches I was supposed to give. So I wanted a note to get out of that class. And she, uh, I had a huge cut on my leg that was infected or so I thought, and that's mm-hmm. why I thought I was feeling so terrible. And she looked at the cut and she said, it's fine, but your vitals are all out of whack. Like you need, you need help. Um, so she told me I should, she'll write a note if I go to rehab or detox and I was like, I'll just take an F. So, and then I, I left the nurse's office and went to, to my boss on campus. I was a security guard and I wanted to let her know I wasn't going to make it to work that day. And I decided to be honest with her as well and let her know that the nurse just told me I had a problem with drugs and alcohol and I should get some help. And I didn't really know what to do. Um, and my boss at the time, I worked in the student union on campus. She said, oh, just come with me. And she walked me downstairs in the student union. 
and there was this room that had just kind of been a, a hangout lounge for the previous few years. And uh, it just started like two weeks prior, they opened the collegiate recovery center um, out of this small room. And it was like, oh. she was dropping me off at daycare or something. She like walked <laughs> in and uh, she said, uh, I think I got someone that needs to talk to you guys. I'll, I'll leave it from, uh, I'll leave it to you. And she just left. And um that's where I met this uh, guy named Danny Conroy, who started the Collegiate Recovery Center at CU Boulder. And um, he just simply asked what the last two weeks of my life looked like. And I told him and he suggested I go to rehab as well. Um, and I, I couldn't at this point, or I just wasn't willing to at this point. You know, I was on my seventh year in college. I really just wanted to graduate. Um, I was on target to graduate by the end of this year. And so I was just hoping to hold out and, um, I was really adamant about how, you know, no one on this campus is sober. Like, what am I supposed to do if I have to get sober? Like my life is over. And, um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't converted right away <laughs> uh, <laughs> or, or, or a believer in what he told me, but he said, you're one of many young people on this campus, uh, that, are looking to get sober and there's a handful of people that already are sober and we have um, different social events um, and different things that can like help you basically have a still an awesome college experience. Um, I didn't believe him, but I was like, this is a cool enough room that I can hang out in between classes and actually get my homework done and not go home and smoke weed and then come back. Like, so I just used yeah. it as a safe place to make sure um, and then the next day, one of my like, close friends um, in the party days, my old drug dealer, he walked into the collegiate recovery center and he had 18 months sober and I was shocked. Um, and, and I was like, a little bit of belief and hope came, came alive in me. I was like, oh, if he can do it, I certainly can do it. Um, so that's kind of yeah. how I, how I found recovery and got introduced to collegiate recovery was like through, through the center on CU's campus. Wow. So you leave college. Um, what did you go into, uh, professionally from there? Yeah. So I graduated and, you know, I, I grew up, I was an electrician, uh, with my dad, I had that training under my belt. So I did that for a year. Um, but I always had this plan. I wanted to drive a scooter from Colorado to Alaska, um, okay. like a, a little moped. And uh -huh. so <laughs> I, uh, I worked for a year doing like electrical work. And then, uh, I was a ski instructor in the winter. And, um, after the season, the ski season wrapped up in May, I like, took off on my moped and drove from Vail, Colorado up to Alaska. Uh, on the scooter and part of that was uh in connection uh to the collegiate recovery center at cu um uh, i wanted to let kids know that if you have to get sober in college there's these resources that exist on campuses and i also wanted to like i started a crowdfunding campaign uh, to raise money uh, to start a scholarship for sober kids um, or kids in recovery at University of Colorado. Um, so I like, stopped at different 
alternative high schools and different high schools in general and juvenile detention centers and kind of like shared my story and like told them about these resources on campuses um, if they ever have problems with like specifically I was sharing about like drugs and alcohol if it just doesn't mesh well with you and kind of derails you you can still get sober um, and do some crazy stuff so that was like a three-month journey of scootering and camping and like the scooter only wow. went 25 miles an hour um, <laughs> so, and it was like about six thousand miles i had to take all back roads so that's oh what i did God. right after um i graduated or a year after now did you map it out and plot uh places you would be stopping and speaking and doing your thing or did you just find this along the way or a little of both well <laughs> It was pretty difficult to like, plan too far ahead just because how slow I, I moved, you know, like, yeah. there, there, like one time I, so I would just call ahead maybe a few days or a week, which was also difficult with most schools or places to get in on such late notice. Mm-hmm. But like one time I called the South Lake Tahoe's high school and I just, called him like a week out and I made the made the schedule the appointment and then I was a little bit behind schedule so like I had to drive like 18 hours straight like through the night oh to like gosh. make sure I made it <laughs> and like showed up the next day just like straight <laughs> from driving and so uh yeah it was it was a little bit of a difficulty to to kind of plan while I was moving so slowly wow yeah. Uh, Rob, so you're you're involved now in the recovery center at uh, CU Boulder, right? Right. Yeah, what um, that looks like. I'm like the yeah. program manager uh, for their program, and um, yeah, and it's really developed. It's in its it's going on uh, to be in its ninth year of operation, like on the campus, and I've worked uh, there the past three years. Okay, and what's it look like? What are you doing there? Yeah, so um, we have this. We have space on campus. So um, we did. I referenced this little room, kind of in the basement of the student union. We're now. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the fourth floor of the student union with some great views of uh, the flat irons and Boulder um, the mountains nice. right there. Yeah. It's pretty beautiful. And then um, in that space we have, you know, it's kind of like a lounge area. Um, so you walk in, there's couches, um, chairs for you to kind of hang out, socialize um, and place like a study room for you to do homework in. There's like coffee and snacks, uh, so a place for students to come in between or before and after class um, mm-hmm. and meet other students in recovery or just get some work done and print off paper. So there are, there's that. And then we, uh, we organize different, different social events from like camping trips. Um, we're doing a camping trip uh, with the University of uh Denver and their collegiate recovery program, like all the collegiate recovery programs in the state of Colorado, like organizing a camping trip um, to tailgates for football games and just providing opportunity for students to still have um, 
a quote unquote normal college experience um, while they're engaging in their uh, recovery with other students in recovery. Um, yeah. Yeah. And we have, we have a sober living component. So we have um, eight apartments um, in their own buildings um, that students can live in. So you have a safe place to live in. Um, and again, there's social events like tied in They're, That's called our mm-hmm. core housing. And really those students are like the core of our recovery program uh, here on campus. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Uh, Rob, I'm encouraged and somewhat surprised when I, you know, cruise the local bookstore to see there's more and more, there are more and more titles in the genre known as quit lit. Uh, more, more and more people are writing about sobriety, writing about recovery, more and more sober, curious people at the same time that I hear that alcohol use specifically during the pandemic. I've heard conflicting stories. I've heard that alcohol use is up. I've also heard that more and more people are quitting. Do you see any trends on college campuses? Is it becoming a little bit more acceptable, a little cooler, uh, or a little less uh, stigmatizing to be sober? <laughs> uh, yeah. Is it is there kind of a straight edge thing going on? What do you sense? Yeah. Um, I sense that there's... Um There's a more well-known message out there uh-huh. that there are people that need recovery, whatever that mm-hmm. looks like. And mm-hmm. so students on a college campus don't scoff as much at the uh-huh. idea of this resource even being offered on campus. Whereas I think in the past it had been like, oh, why would we like who who gets sober in college like that kind of uh, or who mm-hmm. needs recovery in college um, but now not not just because of the pandemic but really just because of the addiction epidemic everybody mm-hmm. has somebody in their lives whether it's their roommate their cousin their like someone in their family mm-hmm. or themselves that suffers from addiction of some sort and so like it's a it's a it's a easily accepted and it doesn't shock other college students as much when we have students in their classes introduce themselves and whether they affiliate with the recovery center um that's their choice right but it, when mm-hmm. they do their their classmates and peers aren't as shocked um so i think yeah there's less like state less stigma but like more understanding that this uh it's pretty normal um for some people to need recovery uh, Mm -hmm. depending on doesn't matter what their age is Mm -hmm. yeah it is it is why are we surprised that if we you know if we use an addictive substance uh we might become addicted (laughs) And, and then you know and then why are we shamed when, uh, you know, the thing that we're using actually does what it's supposed to do and hooks us, right? I'm sorry, uh, David, what were you going to say? Well, I was just going to ask if, um, uh, Rob, if you experience people, uh, you know, feeling like they have to make an excuse for their sobriety to their friends, because 
Um, I see people in this age range, and one of the challenges is the belief that they have to make an excuse for not drinking. Like alcohol is one of the only, you know, drugs maybe that we have to uh, mm-hmm. ex- explain to society why we're not engaging in it or feel like we do. And so, how do you help, um, you know, a twenty-year-old uh, come to a place where they're okay with the fact that they? They don't owe the world an explanation for what they're not doing. Um, yeah, how do you how do you cross that hurdle? Right. Yeah, I do see that, um, and I think it's what what I see mostly is just like a lack of understanding, like for themselves, of why necessarily they have to get sober. Um, or enter like whatever pathway of recovery uh, for them. And so when they're trying to explain that to their peers, they, they're just having a very difficult time navigating that um, because they have yet to really concretely nail it down for themselves. Like it's so new like for them. Uh, and a lot of them aren't necessarily like, it's not a, as we know with so many people, that suffer from addiction. It's not like a one decision and then everything just mm-hmm. changes. Right. And right. so through, um, we, we offer recovery coaching through, um, the program here at CU. And so I'll just coach kids like through those conversations, how to still like, if, if they don't want to change everything about their lifestyle and they're still going to parties, how to navigate these conversations, you know, mm-hmm. whether it be, just simple, I'm not drinking tonight and full stop and there, or you know whether it is appropriate to really share more and how to assess out that. But yeah, really what you said that they don't owe anybody an explanation and having them feel confident in that. And so sure, there's coaching around having those conversations, but I think the bigger thing is, is really helping them to understand that they aren't alone in this. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not so unique to their story, um, because if it's the opposite way, you know, if drinking is the norm, um, you know, I, we try to like normalize that, like being in recovery, like by surrounding yourself, like and doing and having like a normal lifestyle, um, just with no drugs and alcohol or addictive behaviors, like that can also be the normal. Um, mm-hmm then it gives them the confidence to, to really speak about it in however they're comfortable, depending on the place and time uh, that they're in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell us about reconnected. What is reconnected? Yeah. Um, so reconnected is an app that, uh, we built and it stands for recovery connection education. And, it kind of builds off what we were just talking about um, that, you know, drinking in college is kind of the norm or partying uh, is the norm. And uh, there's about 150 to 175 of these programs at different colleges across the country. And they look, they're in all shapes and sizes um, Mm -hmm. in terms of like some of them are, student groups with no professional staff and there's really two to five students on a campus hosting meetings and social events together up to 
I would say like our program, something that's been around for almost 10 years that has, it's pretty robust, has professional support, a space on campus, and it ranges anywhere between 35 and 45 students. Um, but we wanted to show that these students and even alumni of these collegiate recovery programs are part of something greater. So the app is a professional um, networking opportunity uh, for these students to help them get out of college and get their first job. It also connects them to students all across the country. So if they're looking to travel, a lot of these students do go home uh, during the summer, wherever home may be. They may be able to connect with other young people in recovery. Um, and then there's the social aspect. Their events are listed on here um, that different collegiate recovery programs are doing or just uh, recovery or sober organizations such as like the Phoenix. Um, that's a sober active community. They do a lot of events all over the country. So we populate the app with different um, recovery friendly or sober um, events that are going on um, that these students and alumni of these collegiate recovery programs can uh, can meet up. If you think about LinkedIn and Facebook combined, mm -hmm. that's what uh -huh. uh, that's what reconnected is, but specifically for collegiate um, recovery programs and uh, the alumni and students from there. Yeah, and so do um, can anyone uh, access that app, or do you have to be engaged in a particular recovery community to get access? So the app is on the App Store, so you can download it. And during the onboarding process, you'll be asked what program you're affiliated with, because um, we really do want to like start opening it just to collegiate recovery centers um, and students. One, because we know how to get a hold of these programs and students, so we can, mm -hmm. and then we can get feedback on what's working and what's not uh, in the right. app. And then, um, but if you're if you don't have a program on your campus or you're someone young in recovery and this is something that you're looking for in your life, um, mm -hmm. there's a really easy way to contact us directly through the app um, or on our Instagram, which is reconnected app. And you can shoot us a direct message or an email and we, we'll get you on. Um, we're really here to help young people in recovery connect professionally and socially all across the country. And, realize like a lot of these recovery meetings that people go to the median age is closer to like 40. Um, so, so when you're between 18 and 22, you really are feeling like the, the odd duck out. So, um, mm -hmm. so hope creating more and more opportunity to, to find these other young people in recovery that are, um, are kind of, a looking to thrive in their life instead of mm -hmm. necessarily recover their life. Um, mm -hmm. where, where a lot of people, um, when they're, when they're finding recovery later on in their life, they're looking to, to save relationships, um, mm -hmm. right. And save jobs. Whereas when you're younger in having to find recovery, you, you don't, you're not faced with possibly losing those things. You have yet to accumulate those things. Mm -hmm. So, so the conversation and even the perspective is is much different. Um, so that find other people that are 
just like we all want to be able to find people that we can relate to um, makes it easier to recover. That's, that's the purpose of this app. Yeah. That's awesome. I love the vision and mission and help people uh, connect professionally and socially thrive, build a life. And I, I just love the fact that you've created this thing that's targeted specifically toward that age group. That's a fantastic deal. Is this, uh, is this a nonprofit organization? Are you supported by uh, donations? Is there, how does revenue work? How can yeah. people who, per, who perhaps want to give back, but they're a little older, how can they help? So there's this um, nonprofit called The Safe Project. It stands for Stop the Addiction Fatality Epidemic. And oh, it was wow. started by two amazing people, Admiral Cindy and Mary Winnefeld. Um, mm -hmm. close to four years ago when they lost their son, um, to this epidemic and he was in college, um, and he was actually in his first week of, at, um, a university. And so they took it into their hands to start this nonprofit and mm -hmm. they do a lot. And one of, one of the, um, programs that they, they run is, uh, collegiate recovery support. Uh, through, um, so they support all different programs. They have something called a student leadership academy that has about 50 students a year uh, that are working on passion projects on their campus related to recovery. Um, in some, and they provide the support to that. So, if anyone would love to support us, um, we are backed fully by the Safe Project. Um, and that's how we even came about was a conversation with them, seeing this real gap actually that exists is we, these programs do such a great job supporting their students. Um, but once the students have to, to leave uh, the nest per se of these collegiate recovery programs, um, they, there's just a, a drop off in support. Um, and mm -hmm. how could we really continue to support them all the way through? How do we support our alumni? And that's where the conversation for this app came about. And, you know, they, they're, if they're known for like one thing, one thing they're known for is like getting things done and getting things done. Um, so they, they turned an idea and into a reality in a pretty quick time. So, wow. That's fantastic. Hey, Rob, is there a master list that exists of um, colleges and the recovery communities on those on those universities uh, campuses? Yeah, there's an organization called ARHE. It stands for the Association of Recovery and Higher Education, and um, it's they have a website. It's collegiaterecovery.org, and you can go to that website and they have a list of all um, the colleges that are the majority of colleges that have programs out there mm -hmm. um, and, and contact info for whomever uh, is kind of like the, the lead on, in those programs. Great. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, what a great resource. Thank you so much, Rob, for taking time to talk with us. Uh, I am quite certain that, a good number of our listeners will be referring again and again to this episode as they or people they know and love are headed to college or, uh, you know, finally hit the wall in college. Uh, 
really grateful for what you're doing. I'm inspired by what you're doing. Really wish that it had been around when I was in college. Might have saved me a little bit of, might have shortened my my trip by a little bit. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thanks, Rob. Listeners, stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment on the Positive Sobriety. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Uh, Nate, I hope that, uh, you know, the listeners uh, are um, going to be able to take advantage of Rob's resources because that, man, that population that he's working with, that is a tricky conversation to have with, you know, an a 18, 19, 20-year-old person, 21. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, to, to talk about uh, giving up something and then the conspicuous way they feel in their, in their culture when they do. And, um, you know, uh, that, that's a challenging, that's a challenging yeah. conversation with anybody, but especially when you're telling a 20 year old, this may not really work into your long-term life plan anymore. You know, yeah. um, that's a big deal. I tell you what, David, I got, I, I have to confess this. I, I, I was listening and kind of meta listening. You ever listen and then listen to yourself listening and kind of monitor your own <laughs> yeah. reaction. Yeah. So I'm thinking, I really, I really like this guy. There's something about this guy I like. And about halfway through the conversation, I think I decided what it is that tipped me to like him. Uh-huh. He's got a little Adam Sandler going on. <laughs> yeah. He kind of uh, does. Yeah. It was yeah. like we had a guest shot from Adam Sandler. Uh-huh. I don't know. That's uh-huh. Uh, yeah, but very laid back and quiet, and uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but wow, he's, what a great conversation! He, yeah, he's doing good work, and I am. I hope that folks will uh, uh, avail themselves to it. You know, one of the things that he wanted us to mention that didn't come out in the interview mm-hmm. is that uh, he makes himself available, and we are going to put his contact information in the show notes. Right, he makes himself available not just to college students. But perhaps to people who uh, kind of crashed and burned in college, mm-hmm. never graduated, kind of you know, skated out. Yeah. Now they're 10, 12, 15 years down the road thinking, you know, they kind of like to get back in college, but they don't know. Have they burned so many bridges? Is it an unrealistic dream? Mm-hmm. He said he talks all the time with people. Turns out it's much more doable than you think it is. Mm-hmm. And it's quite possible that with a couple of phone calls, he can help you get hooked up, navigate to get back into school, to get that degree mm-hmm. that you weren't able to get because uh, your behavior was off the rails. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, well, uh, before we end this one, David, do remind us, uh, about our sponsor. Um, yes, our sponsor is betterhelp.com and, uh, BetterHelp is here for you, um, to experience therapy with a licensed therapist, a licensed, uh, personal therapist that you can have every single time that you, uh, log on and, and, uh, by appointment with this person, um, they will connect you at your convenience at your own pace in your own place and, and time and space. Um, and, and they will 
make available to you all the resources that you would get in any other therapy situation. So everything from our stuckness to depression to anxiety issues to um, the social anxiety, anything that you're dealing with um, that is uh, uh, troublesome and problematic, they are there to help. So uh, if you go to betterhelp.com slash positive sobriety, you'll also get a discount on your actual initial uh, sign up. And that also tells us that the resources we're providing are helpful to you. So betterhelp.com slash positive sobriety and get out of the stuck place you're in. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, Hey, before we go, I'm just going to go ahead and give people Rob's contact information, his email address, just in case you don't have access to the show notes. You can... You can uh, contact Rob at robert.sheeran, S-H-E-A-R-O-N, at colorado.edu. robert.sheeran at colorado.edu. Great. All right. Well, I think that wraps it for this week. We have more great guests and more great shows coming up. Until next time, I'm Nate. I'm David. And we are your pals on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. The Positive Sobriety Podcast is recorded at Crossroads for the Nations in Brentwood, Tennessee. Live producer Rex Schnelli, music by Rex Schnelli, theme music by Matt Ulrich, uh, hair and makeup by Lyle Lovett, uh, wardrobe <laughs> by Kathy Gifford. 